Hello, and welcome to the Creative Manifestation Podcast, a podcast designed to support you with tapping into your peak creative potential and bringing your creative inspirations to life. And welcome to episode one. My name is Leah Salinas, and I am passionate about creativity and supporting others with living a beautiful and creatively fulfilling life. And although I'm constantly evolving as a human being, I currently identify as an actress, a content creator, and a creativity coach. If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can check out my website, which is leahsalinas.com, or follow me on Instagram at leah underscore salinas. So before we dive into today's episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on what inspired me to create this podcast. So over the past year or so, I've been receiving this intuitive download that I need to bring other people into my sphere so that they too can talk about their relationship with creativity, how they nurture and support their creativity, and how they manifest their creative projects and intentions. And I feel fortunate to know some really amazing people, and I feel that they're going to have some really valuable insights to share with all of you about how to be a powerful and embodied creator. So I'm so excited to have their voices on this show. And one thing that I'd also still like to point out is that I'm really passionate about spreading the message that creativity doesn't only play a role in the arts. So even though I have a background in performing, I've come to find that creativity plays a hugely important role in many, if not all, human endeavors. And I believe that every single one of us has the potential to be creative and to channel our creativity into whatever we may be doing on this earth. And if there are some of you out there who feel like you're not creative or you're not feeling inspired, well, then I extend a very special welcome to you, my friend, because my intention is to get you reconnected with that part of yourself. And that's also my intention with this podcast. So with that said, while I will have people on this podcast who identify as artists, I'm also going to have amazing, inspiring individuals from all walks of life sharing their wisdom. So some of the people who are currently on my secret guest wish list are doctors, entrepreneurs, health coaches, people involved with farming and sustainability, and that's just a few that I can think of off of the top of my head. And also today's very special guest, who is a professional life and career coach. Her name is Dr. Yuriki Stednitz, and she is the founder and CEO of Stednitz Designer Life, which is a boutique coaching firm in Zurich, Switzerland. And Yuriki also happens to be my amazing mom. And I always envisioned her as being the first guest on the pod. So I'm particularly grateful and honored that she said yes. Literally, as I am recording this introduction, I'm just beaming from ear to ear. I'm so happy. So just to give you a little bit more background on who Yuriki is and what she does in this world, um, she's also an educational consultant, a university lecturer, a content creator, and an author of three books. 
And after receiving her PhD in gifted education from the University of Connecticut, she felt a really strong calling to bring gifted education to Switzerland, where she co-founded the first European Association for Gifted and Talented Education and was the chairperson of the first major conference on the topic in Zurich, Switzerland. And she also opened a successful educational consulting firm, which has now evolved into Stennis Design Your Life, which offers assessments and life and career coaching to people of all ages, as well as businesses. And lately, she has also particularly enjoyed empowering people to play a leading role in the big changes that are occurring on the planet. If you'd like to learn more about Yuriki and her work, you can check out her website, which is www.stednitz.ch, or follow her company on Instagram at stednitz.designyourlife. And I'm also going to have all of that information for you in the show notes. So without further ado, let's dive into episode one. Dr. Yuriki Stenitz. Hello. Hello. Hello, Leah. Thank you for being the first guest. It's such a pleasure. So I already gave the listeners a brief introduction of who you are and what you do. But in your own words, what are you currently creating in this world? Okay, um, I think in the professional world, um, I'm creating meaningful, uplifting, empowering encounters with my clients who come to me to create their lives, to come up uh, with where they would like to go next, uh, what to do meaningfully. Um, questions like that and um, on the private level I think to me uh, every day is a creation really in so many ways and that is actually where I experience also a big part of my personal of my creativity I love that do you want to share a little bit more about that Go into a little bit more depth. Uh, I love days that are not, well, of course, there's a structure to every day and um, there's a plan, but um, I am certainly the kind of person where um, if something comes up that seems important, meaningful right now, um, I'll consider changing my plan for that. Uh, or I feel out in the morning, what is what kind of day is this? What would be good to do on this day? And it gets even stronger on a vacation where I really, really do this kind of thing. So um, I guess creativity and all too strict planning seem to exclude each other in my mind. Um, it does take some space to be, for me to be, creative, uh, either professionally or personally. Yeah, I actually, I have a question for you related to that, because I find one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is, is creating that space when there are tasks and deadlines and obligations to be met during uh, a working day. So how, how do you find that balance, especially on a working day? Yes. Um, well, I used to, well, there are days um, that are just really back to back. I have those days as well. Uh, full of appointments, maybe in between, I need to do this, uh, X, Y, Z. Um, there are those days. 
but then I look that at least in the evening, um, uh, it's a little more free, free ranging. Like I take these days, I take care not to overbook also to leave room between appointments. Uh, so I can, because, um, I know from brain science, it's really good for the brain to run idle. And I feel like run idle as and look out of the window, um, have a snack, um, do something that is not planned. And I always feel that if I have that, like before I talk to another person, work with another person, I'm just so much more effective. I really feel my brain supports me better then. So in other words, I really look for, uh, I, I look so I can make space. And of course it works better on some than on other days. I mean, on some days I don't even get to do my yoga because uh, somehow in the last minute there was something else um, that, that seemed more important or whatever. But it's always uh trying for the balance to have the vision of the balance and then um, it just doesn't always manifest that's beautiful and it, it sounds like it's really more about creating these little pockets to allow your brain to run idle and how those can already be very effective that is true. Even though I have to say, I also appreciate big pockets <laughs> if I if I can get them. Like that is like. Um, but then I almost have to be away from the place where I work and and live in the same place. But um, to have the big pockets, I need to be away. Um, usually, like on vacation or sometimes on the weekend, I I manage to do that. I can. Uh, quickly uh, fall into this other modus that is not like duck, 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 <laughs> very sequential, but more like free-flowing. Well, what do I feel like doing right now? Right now would be great to go on a run. Um, then, I, yeah, I don't even think further. Then I, I think again after that. Um, yeah, so uh, small pockets are good. Big pockets are really good too, to the point of where I would get bored, but that almost never happens. I really cannot recall being bored um, unless it's a, a really um, um, unengaging, um, say, talk that I have to listen to in some <laughs> conference or something like that, uh, where I don't dare leaving the room because I'm in the midst of all sorts of people. But I try to avoid those situations more and more. And so I don't have very many of those. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, and I'm so glad you brought up vacations and weekends, because I wasn't even going to speak with you about this, but I'm glad you brought it up because one of the things that I really admire about you is your commitment to weekends and vacations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's something that a lot of us need to be reminded of um, how important it is to truly commit to, to spending that kind of time. Yeah, I think the time I started to really discovering the value of, of taking weekends and vacations are actually maybe the times that I worked hardest in my life. Um, like when I was uh, going, when I was at university and uh, had a full load of, of uh, classes and next to that um, also was making the entire amount of money to pay for that. Um, so even then, and that was maybe one of the times I worked so hard, I made sure I had Sundays off. Um, maybe that comes from my European background that it's Sunday, but yeah, Sunday was the day where I said, well, Sunday is sacred. I, I, I will not work on Sunday. So I always thought if I have 24 hours in a row where I'm really free, um, that, that feels so good to have that. Um, because I think there is really mm, few things 
I mean, I'm, I'm a person who's always engaged uh, with work, like thinking about it because I so love my work. And so I'm, it's always there, but um, in terms of free space, I really do need those 24 hours to disconnect. Even if during that time I might read something that has to do with work or whatever, but it is not work. Um, so yeah, and, and the same with vacations. Um, luckily, I, I seem to be one of those people who has an easy time disconnecting, like almost immediately when I leave my workspace, I can really tune out. And I know it's not that easy for everyone to do that. But um yeah, it, it's just so regenerating. And often I find that particularly vacations, like taking three weeks off to be by the sea, t- turn out to be my most productive times because then I'm, I'm reading um, like uh, one book, two, three days at a time, and a lot of new ideas come up and that's exactly the kind of free space that that is needed now you might say well you're working no it's not because um i always have i'm not on a schedule i always have the option to do something else if i want to um so it's not really work it's like self-guided intrinsic motivation so beautiful yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you really taught me the power of doing that and also the 24 hours. But I found that, as you just said, even just having that one, th- those 24 hours, if you fully commit to them, they can be so powerful. Yeah, um, yes. And, and uh, most often that works out um, to fully commit. Um, but I have to be honest about it. There have been times where it didn't work out, but I always pay for it a bit the week that follows that I'm not so productive. I mean, there is a part of us that says, oh, no, I, I can't spend one hour more at the desk now. Um, got to do something else. So I tend to be, I try to be more sensitive now to that voice and luckily I'm not under that kind of stringent schedule where really there is no leeway left or right because I think to me that that is very detrimental to creativity Mm. because creativity has to do with uh, going left or right doing something that you might not have planned for or following an, an input that that is new and novel, um, that kind of thing. And again, allowing for the space for yes. for that to happen. Exactly, it really does take space. Like with children, they um, it's been said, well, only when children get bored, that's when they get most creative. Um, And I think a lot of us are not in the habit anymore of being able to stand boredom, um, like tolerate it. And so so I think the place I really come closest to boredom, uh, I have this place in southern France where I've been going on quite a few vacations and the place has something really boring to it. I mean, to some people, it would be extremely boring um, because there's just not that much distraction and entertainment and so forth. And even the internet doesn't work well there. Um, but as I just said, this is one of the places where I, 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 have, I experience a lot of real productivity and also creativity. So... I think boredom is something really valuable as I think about it. If you can appreciate it and, and um, um, deal with it. Yeah. I love it. I feel like in this conversation, we're reclaiming boredom and giving it a new <laughs> reputation. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that so reputation that when I was a kid, I mean, that certainly was around um, because um, since then, distractions have just grown exponentially. And while distractions can also provide good input for connecting things, um, like that's something that makes for creativity, connecting different inputs that seemingly have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, that is there. But I think for so many of us, the boredom has started to be completely missing as in space, um, quietness, um, unless maybe uh, we meditate, maybe that comes closest to that state. Yeah. Or I also sometimes find myself experiencing that state when I'm taking a walk or a hike. I always have this, there's this time period where I feel bored and uncomfortable. And then suddenly there's like a switch that switches within me. And I really drop in and I suddenly start to get new inspiration and I start to feel really present. So even though I'm theoretically doing something, there's still there's still this sense of boredom that comes with the activity that then unleashes this inspiration within me. It's interesting that you uh, mentioned hiking because only quite recently I came upon this that with hiking. Um, I can only explain it like that, that I very distinctly go into right brain modus. If you can say that, I know the brain is not that simple. But um, by this rep repetitive activity, uh, and you also have to watch what you're doing in the physical level where you're stepping and all that. But I find uh, oftentimes I also go into emotional states or get more in touch with my emotions, which would be more like a, a right, right brain activity. And I'm certainly not doing any analytical thinking um, on a hike. It's more like being, like you said, it's more like being in the moment and, and also maybe being in touch with emotions or sudden, sudden realizations um, that kind of thing happens to me also when I get a massage that that happens then too um, sometimes during a good massage session I have all sorts of ideas that suddenly like epiphany sudden realizations that suddenly occur to me beautiful yeah I've had that experience too Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it's, it's something about being physical, of being in the body, and maybe the left brain and just tuning out, uh, and the left brain being bored at that time, making room for a different kind of uh, thinking and experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit because I do want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about your personal life and career path over the years. Okay. Um, you have a really, really impressive background and I do feel like it'd be powerful for the listeners to hear more of your story and how you got to where you are today. So could you share a little bit about that? Uh, it's a big question and also a big question to share a little bit about. As much so, as you uh, want to. Yeah, you, might, you, you might stop me. When, um, yeah, it's, um, I think since we're talking about creativity and what makes for it, uh, so maybe I want to pick up on that a little bit. Um, I want to pick up on, on, on creativity as like what made me into someone who, who was maybe in touch or aware of creativity. I only realized that during my studies, actually, because before that I never thought about uh, being creative or creativity only when I studied 
gifted education and it was part of our studies, I, I became more uh, um, knowledgeable about that and then also uh, was able to realize it in, in others and myself. So, okay, back to, to um, some parts of my life. I think to me, a really big influence was uh, growing up in post-war Germany uh, and also being the child of, of parents who had lost all of their possessions uh, during the war. Uh, not just them, but their parents. Like they lost their home, their, their houses, everything. And I was keenly aware of this as a child already because when I walked through the streets with my parents, I saw actually bombed houses, um, and I mean, there were still runes left over, um, in the fifties. <laughs> so he, I, I saw that and, and, uh, looked at it. And because of what the families talked about, um, so I think very early in my life, the idea that you can lose everything material and, and you are, uh, you can still, you can still live and rely on your own personal resources. So that to me was really a key idea because uh, after that, um, actually during my first 20 years of life, I, I lost quite a few um, things, people, uh, my parents split up, uh, my mom died when I was 20, um, things like that. And I think being aware of losing everything and still be able to, to live on and even successfully and, and happily to, to some extent, as I saw that in my parents, um, gave me the kind of resilience that later on enabled me, in spite of difficulties, to, um, yeah, to to realize my my visions, which many of which were very intuitive, I have to say. Like um, I, I then left Germany when I was twenty and uh, moved to Switzerland. Um, basically, I was all on my own. I I didn't I didn't have parents as, anymore, um, and. Um, yeah, and and uh, two years later, I moved to California and um, started studying there um, uh, at university. Something that already had um, intrigued me as a child. So I studied to I studied psychology, um, behavioral sciences, and this was an idea that by I know many. Uh, people's standards, especially here in Switzerland, uh, it was a really crazy idea because basically I just left um, to join my boyfriend there, who's now my husband. But basically I just had, did not have the slightest idea how I would pull this off. Like, um, where would I get the money? Um, how would I... Granted, this this thing only worked in the 70s, for sure. Uh, today, it, I don't think I could do this anymore. Um, the way the world is, is, is operating, um, with everything has gotten so much stricter and everything. But, but uh, yeah, but the point is, I, I just had so much trust in, in my ability to be um, successful at whatever I tackled that, um, yeah, I just went. I just went and I thought, well, even if it doesn't work out, there's always another way. And I think this kind of attitude has really carried me through everything that, that I've been doing then. Um, and another big step was um, really by a chance um, occasion, I got into in touch with this topic of gifted education. It was an article in Newsweek on one page, uh, which I saw by chance. It was about a 10-year-old who 
who went to university. And this single incident so intrigued me that then I started um, researching gifted education. Where could I study this? Where could I pursue this? And and that, that led on to going on with graduate school on the East Coast then. Um, so it was like a lot of, um, wasn't like uh, some of my clients, they come in and they say, well, I want to plan my next five years. Um, I have respect for that. But I have to say personally, I have never functioned like that. And it was more like, oh, um, this is happening. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'm going to follow this now. Or I have this vision. Like, for example, I always had the vision um, already as a 16-year-old that I would one day live in in Zurich, actually, in Zurich, Switzerland. And I always had that in the back of my mind. And then it took, it took like almost 20 years for it to materialize. But eventually it did. So, um, yeah, I guess um, my, my professional and also personal development, development would be an example of someone who, who really follows their, um, not impulses, but follows some kind of inner guidance, I could call it, um, yeah, inner guidance, which then, um, like, uh, I took actions to make that come about and to materialize it um, to the point where I had this this uh, mission. I wouldn't have called it a mission, really, because mission sounds so missionary, um, and I don't see <laughs> myself as that. Um, but... Um, to have this mission, to, to have this vision, maybe vision is better, that I would take what I learned in the United States, like um, how to support uh, bright children, highly creative children. And I knew that wasn't done in Switzerland to take that and, and uh, bring it to Switzerland, which was really a very tall order, but I didn't, again, this didn't really deter me. And I tried to make contacts when I came back to Switzerland at age 33 with a PhD then in gifted education. And, um, yeah, so um, I talked to professors here, and I remember at least one saying, oh, that that will not work out. That will be a very stony uh, path. <laughs> and, you know, I just kind of shook that off. I just, um, yeah, I just... <laughs> I, I, I that was like uh, um certainly didn't didn't discourage me and by that time um i would say also thanks to um uh the university education that i had experienced in in the states which was extremely empowering to me and extremely promoted encouraged my my creativity both personal and and professional i have to say because there were so many people who believed in me, professors, but also colleagues, to an extent where I never experienced before in, in Europe um, to have this kind of environment. And I think that was a really, really big part of then going on later as a professional and encouraging others to to realize themselves and um help others um, develop the courage to not listen too much to criticism and just do it. So uh, the just do it attitude, that's really something that I got in California and then also later in Connecticut. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I know your story, but listening to it again right now as you just told it makes me realize how really your whole life path really set you up to become the career coach that you are today and why I think your career coaching work is so powerful because you really went through this whole process yourself and 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 you went through this process of creating self-belief and trust and 
I think that's why when you work with your clients, you are able to guide them and encourage them with such conviction. That is true. Um, conviction is the word, I think. Um, <laughs> and, and also um, not um, like, like, like have this attitude well, whatever you want to do, it can be done somewhere. Uh, it might not be here in Switzerland, but mm. somewhere on the planet you can go and, and because that is also something I've experienced over and over. And, and, and it's something of, uh, yeah, of an attitude and, and a strategy I actually developed because whenever I ran into some kind of obstacle, um, um, I, I, uh, thought, well, it doesn't work here. Where else might it work? I guess this also an entrepreneurial attitude. And only later I, I discovered actually, yeah, I, I am an entrepreneur that way. Maybe a social entrepreneur, but I'm certainly, um, I have that kind of attitude, which I think entrepreneurs def uh, typically definitely have is like, okay, doesn't work this way, but I'll find another way to make it work. And I think here we're back to creativity too. And Absolutely. really, really, yeah, and really, really not let yourself, uh, even, I mean, you do have to walk through the valley of the tears uh, ever so often. I think every person experiences that. And that's the problem with some of my clients that, that they, um, um, really try to ensure themselves so much against failure or, or running into difficulties and build a triple comfort zone and safety zone while um, the fact that the truth is there is no such thing. <laughs> because ever so often um, we'll be shown how, how, how fickle um, safety is, how unsafe safety is and how there is no such thing as uh, safety um, because uh, I think ultimately so many things come out of left field where you didn't expect them to. It's also called a black swan. Um, there's this book, black swan, um, where something comes like um, this Corona crisis that uh, we are experiencing right now. Um, which came totally out of left field for most people. Um, so, yeah, so it just shows, and we've had other incidents like that, maybe not every year, but a lot of stuff happens also on a personal level, you know, maybe a sickness, an accident, whatever, uh, that is humiliating to our sense of trying to get it safe. So, this attitude to be fluid and and to adjust um, when something to take the good out of it um, to turn it into a growth opportunity a growth chance that is certainly um, the more productive and healthy response I think. And what I've also found is that if we try to build up all of these safety nets around ourselves we're not only you know potentially keeping bad things for happening from happening or quote-unquote bad things if that's even possible to keep them but yeah. you're also keeping yourself from opening yourself up to unexpected good things absolutely absolutely there is this um there's also this American saying, jump and a net will appear. Mm. Uh, I love that, um, talking about safety nets, when you mentioned safety nets. So I think when we really go and, and follow what, what we believe in, what is close to our heart, even if it, um, you cannot make out in the beginning how the path will develop, um, to, to trust this jump and a net will appear of, of some sort. And even if it doesn't, yeah, then, then it was just a really good learning or growth opportunity. 
Yeah, and I believe it it builds your 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 muscle. It builds your taking risks muscle. Absolutely, and it's like you say, maybe on that path where you experience one sort of failure at the same time, something um, unexpected, extremely positive uh, or pleasant turns up. So probably the, um, the best path is to, to be really a process in the process and, and just watch for signs left and right and be, aware and in the moment and attentive to what is really happening and not get too attached to either um, outcome even. And I found that it's much more important to have an underlying, like the underlying feeling that you're feeling about the path that you're on if that mm-hmm. feeling feels like it's in resonance and in alignment, I found that that's much more important than being, than getting caught up in the minutia of, Oh, like, Oh, this is happening. This isn't happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. Um, and maybe that's what I mean by vision, the, the underlying vision, uh, because vision I think is also a feeling. It's like, yes, I want to do this. Ah, yes, this feels right. So vision is not just something mental or it's just something you have in your head. It's more like, maybe more like a conviction or or a feeling. It's very emotional even. And and when you have that and it's coming from your heart, like uh, you love what you're doing, you're excited about it, um, that can be extremely powerful and actually will carry you through all sorts of obstacles and setbacks, which is probably one of the most important factors in in being successful ultimately. Um, It's like this this, this stick with itness, like uh, my uh, teacher and uh, Professor uh, Joe Renzulli, he has these three rings um, that explain um, productive uh, um, productivity, creative productivity. Uh, so be creativity, uh, suitable abilities, and then also the commitment, the task commitment. And I think that's what we're talking about here Um to, to really stick with something even when obstacles turn up or I just read a book about entrepreneurs. It's called, uh, I think it's only in German, but uh, it was brilliant. I hope it gets translated. It's called rule breakers, mm-hmm. but rule breakers. <laughs> and um, it was about entrepreneurs in Germany. Um, and um, yeah, so I was just, again, so impressed how um, how these entrepreneurs like like one um, I think several went uh, into personal uh, bankruptcy or professional or personal and um, one got um, uh, uh, like threats of murder and that's really <laughs> like really really tough things um, oh um yeah uh, but but they just so believed in what they were doing and 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 maybe then also discovered different course of action so um yeah i, I think having this emotion emo, emotional component this heart component to yeah, I want to do this. It's just so powerful and can carry you through so many things. And I feel it's also so important to remind yourself that just because obstacles arise doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing whatever you're doing. Um, like even just this morning or or yesterday, I found out I wouldn't have, 
you know, great internet connection to do this interview mm-hmm. that we're doing right now. And yeah. it could it could be so easy in that moment to just say, oh, you know, maybe I should just po- postpone this until, until next week, or maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. And I feel like sometimes our subconscious almost looks like, almost looks for these ways out when we're putting ourselves out there um, because it's uncomfortable. So, so these things come up and you, you, it's so easy to latch onto them as opportunities to quit. But yeah. I think I'm really starting to learn how there's such value to just try and keep going somehow, unless intuitively you really feel like, you know, it's not the right choice. But to just keep, keep going despite these little hurdles come up, despite these little hurdles coming up, and just to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I think both is valid uh, because mm. I think we also have a guiding inner saboteur, I think, mm. uh, who might po- postpone something. And then you find out, well, it was good you postponed it because yes. um, it turned out better that way, actually. So it's tricky. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess you have to feel it out, What whatever feels right at the time. Yeah, um, but, again, it's but about... But non-doing is, is not always bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, about really strengthening your connection to your inner voice and your intuition and, and, and allowing that to be your ultimate guide. Yeah, yeah, I think that's beautiful um, if you're able to do that and mm-hmm. uh, certainly something to strive for. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and so much the more in the times we live in, because uh, I think few times in history, things were globally that uncertain. Um, and we just literally don't know where things might be going. And it really takes a lot of particularly inner guidance, I think, to, to, um, make out a path in this kind of situation because not until long, um, until long ago, uh, there was a lot of planning going on also in business and people were proud of their plans, long, longer term, five year plans and things like that. Um, and today even to make a one year plan seems, uh, almost far out. So I'm not against planning. I think planning is always a good thing, but always knowing that, um, yeah, something else might might happen to jeopardize that plan. So I'm curious, how has has that and the current climate overall right now been playing out and informing your work with your clients? Uh, It's really strange. Uh, Yeah, so now we're talking about the corona, the virus, who's all around the worldwide and uh, also has us locked down here in Switzerland, maybe not as severely as in other places, but people are certainly in lockdown. Um, And I've been interacting. I had the privilege to be able to interact with clients online and also sometimes with distance <laughs> offline. Um, I, I um, have uh, experienced this. I've experienced people who really, really went into fear in this situation. Um, I guess fear for their own health and safety and life and their economic situation, but practically all of my clients um, were not that kind of person. And some of them even told me they experienced a sense of almost elation or Mm. euphoria. Um, uh, For one thing, uh, people also, clients also said, uh, they've been loving this this coming down um, time. Like um, 
we were really lucky the last four weeks we had like practically California weather here in Zurich every day mm. every day is like sunshine and blue sky in spring so <laughs> that is nice <laughs> um but um yeah uh, it's like and so people have just been enjoying the weather, being outside, sitting in the sunshine, myself included. I really enjoyed that. And there was a sense of, oh, um, I, I can't do this now, so I'll just do it tomorrow or next week. It's like, I'll have time to do it, <laughs> was this kind of feeling, which many of us professionals really don't always experience because we have a lot of stuff to do and we have deadlines and we have, um, yeah, that, that kind of situation. So, so it was like that, but I think there was more than that to it. So I think some of the, the people I know seem to be in touch with this uh, idea that right now we're going through a major, major shift in consciousness and I think um, they're in tune with that and how that also harbors so much opportunity and creative opportunity. And we don't know what will happen even in the next year. Um, and, and yes, um, there will be things that will be falling by the wayside or get even destroyed. Uh, but Wherever there is destruction or death of some sort, there's always also new beginnings and new growth. And I think these people who have had the sense of euphoria are, I think they're, they might be in touch with, oh, there is now a huge creative opportunity on so many levels, like how we want this this planet to look like um, what kind of um, environment do we want how do we want to work because right now the, the the rules are rewritten of all that what kind of relationships do we want do we really want to practice distancing or do we want to get closer and, and so some People I've talked to, they said, well, they've never been so close to their friends before. <laughs> um, even globally, they're, they're now talking much more on, on Zoom or Skype, whatever. Um, so this huge opportunity for a creative rewriting of the script seems to be playing out. And I think to, to that you can either react with... Uh, like being really blocked and fearful, or you you take that up and and welcome it and even be delighted by it. Even though all of us, I think, would like to um, to go outside again, hike, uh, sit in a restaurant on the hike, and, <laughs> and and go to the sauna. Myself, I really miss the sauna. So yeah. <laughs> Wish I was in Finland or Sweden, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so beautiful. And it's so cool hearing you say all of that because it just also reminds me again of how many of us are just going through a very similar experience because so many of the things you just shared, I've been finding myself having those thoughts and those experiences internally as well. And I have to say, I've also been very much on the elation and euphoric side, even though I've also definitely gone through, through fear and moved through fear and lower emotions. Anger, maybe. Anger. I mean, I've experienced anger. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, I agree. It's almost because so much of the world has stopped. We've been given this, or at least I have interpreted it as having this wonderful permission to just also stop all the things that don't feel good for me anymore. Yeah. And, and, and out of that has come this space to to do things that I really want to do, like, like this podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So creative space has come out. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Recognizing what is essential to myself. What do I really want in my life? What do I want for the planet, for my, uh, for my community, whatever, for my family, mm. my friends? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That is uh, very precious, actually. And, and also, I think it's given us a space to dream. I heard that some people have really vivid dreams right now. Um, myself included, actually. I've had some strange dreams. <laughs> so, so in, in a way, it's like a collective dreaming process, you could say. That's so like interesting. A, yeah, I've it just occurs having, to me now. Yeah, uh-huh. I've been having really vivid dreams, too. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we have dreams at night and also in the daytime, like daydreaming. Mm. Um, yeah, what kind of, of planet do we really want to live on? How do we want to create? Um, once we get to more freely create again in terms of action, yeah. I feel like we could have a whole other podcast episode on just that topic. For sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we are almost at time, but would you still be open for a quick fire round of questions? I'd love to do that. I'm so excited. I love I love listening to quick fire rounds and I'm so excited to be doing one right now with you. So thank you for being game. Um sure, go. <laughs> okay. So, what is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? <laughs> Let's see. Um Ooh. Hmm. It's not easy. It could be uh could be coffee, actually, a, a good cup of. I'm not an excessive coffee drinker, but that could be a good a good cup of coffee. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> when is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, or evening? Um, that's interesting. Actually, I can't even. Yeah, mornings definitely for having creative ideas but not always writing them down, even at five o'clock at night and then sleeping again. Um, but it, uh, I find mornings are really good times to, uh, to, like, uh, to become more concrete. And then also afternoons, yes, can be after a good lunch and a little nap can be quite creative. Mm. And then and also evenings, um, watching something interesting, thinking about it, discussing with my my husband about it, um, yeah, or my family. That can be also quite creative. So, so hard to say. Times of day for different types of creativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love that. Hikes or ocean swims? Oh, if I would have to pick uh probably would be ocean swims saunas or thermal baths uh all these things are both 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 but (laughs) i say sauna yeah smoothies or black forest cake Uh, well, to be quite honest, I would have to say it's the Black Forest cake. I love it. <laughs> Even though I love smoothies, really. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of those. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> what feeds your creative soul? Mm, mm. Uh, I think being by the ocean, by the sea, mm. walking barefoot on sand, Swimming, sunshine. Yeah. And finally, what does creativity mean to you? Um, that's easy. To me, that really means being alive as a human being. Very yeah. beautiful. It means being alive. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, actually, before I ask you that question, 
Um, So I am going to share all of your information in the show notes, but do you just want to mention really quick um, where the listeners can find you and and your work? So any websites or social media handles? And again, I'll be listing this, but. Right. Um, Well, um, there is an Instagram account uh, for Stednitz Design Your Life which uh, is our um, consulting firm. Uh, and the website is um, stednitz.com. Stednitz with DT in the middle. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So on a final note, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners or in this conversation? Um. Well, all this time we've been talking, I've been looking into this beautiful tree right in front of the window um, with um, nice green, fresh leaves, spring leaves. And um, I think nature also has a lot to do with uh, being good for creativity. So that maybe would be the final comment. At least to me, that's the case. That just put a big smile on my face. (laughs) I just love being out in the woods. Make a point of it every day now through this crisis. Um, Be out there at least um, 20 minutes out in the woods. And it's so healing. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Since I can't get to the ocean right now. (laughs) You're so awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom today and just sharing you. Thank you so much for having me, Leah, and um, it was really such a pleasure to talk to you about creativity. Likewise. All the best with your podcast. Thanks. Thanks.